Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. So Gabby, I have to ask you, because I always think these questions are interesting. What is your earliest memory of the internet? I have a significant memory being in third grade we had a computer room, you know, in our family household, it was yep. upstairs yeah, and, too. or maybe it wasn't third grade, but it was, I was young yeah. and in the computer room, my dad had AOL. We had those discs, yep. you know, where you had to get put the them free in hours. to get the free minutes on <laughs> AOL. And then I remember my dad set me up with my first email account. And then, you know, once we got AOL as kids, we did I think instant messaging, IMing after school, which is like we had all just seen each other, but we would go home and like get on IM. Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, one of my earliest memories was going to NBA.com, National Basketball Association, and they had clips of video of highlights that you could watch. And it was just so cool, this idea that you could on demand watch a video and it would take probably 20 minutes to load what was (laughs) like basically like a postage stamp frame that was maybe 20 seconds of a video clip of, you know, a slam dunk or something like that. And so I remember my friend Nick Reynolds and I, you know, watching all these cool clips on NBA.com. I asked the question because I I think it's important to contextualize where we're at now compared to where we've been. In the last 30 years, the internet has gone from what most people I think probably initially used in a novelty-like way, I mentioned the NBA.com stuff, to what is now a critical need for most people every day. It's woven into a lot of the stuff that computers do these days, You know, whether you're writing a Word document, usually going to the cloud. And of course, the written word was really one of the first things people really used computers for, aside from calculations as well. And that brings us to something you might have heard of today, something that's been highlighted recently as one of those big game-changing moments in computer and internet technology. That is the rise of what's called generative AI and chat GPT. If you haven't heard of it, I find that maybe hard to believe, but basically we're talking about an artificial intelligence computer program that's trained to understand and respond to questions in a way that's a lot more complex than your standard Google search. And if you think about that, the applications are vast. You know, people are using ChatGPT to help write legal notices, maybe do some research. People are asking the program to maybe summarize a body of text that they have or even answer questions simply without going into What we've really used the internet for a long time now, you Google search and then you start hunting and see if you can find your answer. ChatGPT alternatively may just deliver that answer to you right away, depending on how you ask it. And some of the big questions I think that have emerged out of the rise of ChatGPT are, how might it get misused? How will it impact jobs? And how does it interface with education? When these days, it seems like people can increasingly turn to computers for an answer. We thought it would be a good topic to address with an educator. So joining us today is Leo Lowe. He's a professor and the dean of the University of New Mexico College of University Libraries and Learning Sciences. Dean Lowe, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me here. So first, tell us a little bit about what you do and how familiar you are with ChatGPT. I understand you've also written about it. Yes. So I am the dean of the college, as you just mentioned. 
So I manage the libraries, the learning sciences、uh, academic program, and the university press. So we deal with students, we deal with publishers, we deal with scholars. And yes, ChatGPT. I was blown away by it when it first came out. I think in November thirtieth last year, I started using it within the first week. I was completely shocked and realized this is a huge moment in technology in the world, really. So I actually immediately enrolled in a AI certificate course and just wanted to be AI literate to learn a little bit about, you know, what that is about.、Yeah. Interesting. So. I wrote an idea of how to explain ChatGPT when just using it actually before our conversation for the very first time yesterday. I'd listened to so many podcasts about this, but never actually gotten a chance to put my hands on it. So I, I wrote this、uh, to ChatGPT. I, I figured it would be sort of a meta way to get ChatGPT to explain itself and explain it in what is maybe a really basic level. So I asked it, "Quote." Explain ChatGPT to a third-grade audience. The answer it spit out was, "Quote: Imagine ChatGPT as a super smart computer friend that can talk to you and help answer your questions. It's like having a really clever buddy who knows a lot about all kinds of things. ChatGPT is a special computer program that has been trained using lots and lots of information from books, websites, and other sources. It has learned so much that it can understand human language and have conversations just like we do. So, Dean Lo wanted to ask you." What you think is ChatGPT accurately describing itself as you understand it? I would say kind of, just like most of his responses. By the way, Chris, you're using it almost like an expert now, even though you just told me you start, <laughs> just started using it because you. you're giving a really good prompt, really good context to ask ask it for very specific response. But yes, I use ChatGPT. We, I encourage my staff to use it. And I actually, you know, talk openly about using it for work. I write a dean's message to the college, and I will let them. I'll write it in the message. Eighty percent of it was written by ChatGPT. So I encourage people to experiment with it to see what it is good at, what it is not good at, and it's good at really a lot of things. You mentioned it in the in the introduction that it summarizes text. It can translate languages. It, it's really good at generating ideas, but. Like say, if I'm a student, I'm writing a paper. I want a catchy title. I can just ask it to give me twenty titles ideas and choose one, or use puns in the title ideas, so I can you know be a little bit more playful with it. But more importantly, we need to know what it is not good at, and you can't you're getting into it, getting at that. It's not that great with facts. It makes things up a lot、mm. of the times because it can, it is basically a very powerful. Autocomplete in a way, it recognizes patterns and then calculates the probability of what should come next. So it's not really thinking, but it's just so powerful that it gives you the impression that it is thinking. So you jumped on it right when it launched in November, and tell us about this certification or how much have you been using this tech over the last few months? Yeah, so I'm not a computer scientist. I'm in education, learning sciences, librarianship. So I wanted to know how to use it and use it intelligently and responsibly, basically. So I took a course at、um, it's a it's from a business school. How to use it in business? So at the University of Oxford, and there are plenty of these courses out there to suit different needs and and industries. So that really helped me to understand what are some of the background, how AI was developed. 
how it's being used and um, just different areas that, you know, a person needs to get a sense of. Just like we use internet now, we don't know how, how it really works, but we know enough to use it wisely, right? So it's that, that kind of course that I really highly recommend people to do. Like I said earlier, I want to be AI literate. I feel like AI literacy is going to be an important topic in the future. I use it daily. I use it for whatever I can think of. And I can, you know, just like you asking, Chris, you asked uh, GPT to explain it to you at a, what, third grade level? Yeah, third grade level. I sometimes do that. I'll yeah. write things and then, but give your perspective from a different kind of context. Let's say, if you were my boss, how would you evaluate my proposal? So mm -hmm. you get a lot of ideas out of, you know, um, GPT. And just like people using the internet, it's not always, you know, the information you get is not always accurate. So librarians teach people how to evaluate information. Now it's the same thing. Maybe we need to teach the algorithm how to evaluate or be more transparent about giving us the answer. Because right now it gives you an answer. I don't know how it, you know, analyze the data to give me that answer. So that I'm hoping that there will be more regulations out, you know, coming out to require these companies to say, to let us know, this is how I come to this answer. And these are the sources that I use to, you know, to do that. In just the last few months, have you had maybe a favorite part about using ChatGPT or is there a specific problem maybe that it's helped you solve? So I do research and I use it for kind of idea generation. I will give it a, a very general kind of research idea. It's very vague. Usually it would take me days, even weeks to come to a research question and then design a study. I did that with GBT in about an evening, basically. I asked it to say, oh, this is my idea. I want to explore it a little bit more. Tell me, you know, what I should pay attention to or ask me questions so that I can give you enough information. You can help me develop a study. And then I ask it to, okay, what if I want to survey, you know, design a survey for me. I have a background in survey research, so I can't know what is good and what is not. So I can tell it's really good, actually. I mean, there are some things I need to add, you know, edit always, but good enough that it would, it would save me basically a week or two weeks on designing something like that. Wow. Very impressive. There's been a lot of talk about the power of ChatGPT and its, you know, possible effect on academia. And I know that you've sort of talked a little bit about this on the edges. So to ask you directly, how do you see it? Is it a positive? Is it a negative? Is it somewhere in between? So there's so it's such a wide spectrum of opinions right now. There are people who say just ban it. This is terrible. And some people are just loving it and want to use it. And it's everything in between. I lean towards the really excited part. I feel like this is going to change education and um, really enhance teaching and learning. It will raise the performance of everybody. But mm. the key is, like I said earlier, people need to know how to use it first. And I feel like a lot of the, let's say, teachers or faculty who are against it simply because they don't know enough at this point on how to use it, which is fair. None of us really know. We are all kind of playing with it at this point to experiment with it but I can see a lot of potential. 
That is very interesting. And I mean, you talk about having a background in research and library sciences. I'm sure that education that you went through alone was vastly different than maybe the education that your students are currently getting. So since this tech has emerged on the scene, how have you incorporated it into your classroom? And how are students and professors responding to things like ChatGPT? So right now, I, th- I see a lot of um, ad hoc efforts at the university, at University of New Mexico, for example. I know a journalism professor who is, you know, asking students to use ChatGPT to evaluate, to summarize, and then to look for information and then test out whether, you know, those are accurate or not on how to actually use it. I feel like a lot of students are hesitant at this point, which is fair because unless the instructor has specified you can use it or you cannot use it, they are in a really tough spot at this point. Should I use it? Will I be considered cheating, you know, if I use it? But that's a big issue for a lot of educators right now. I feel like, well, let's walk through several scenarios of a student using ChatGPT for homework, for example. In a freshman English class, you are, let's say, the assignment is to write a 500-word essay on uh, arguing for or against globalization, for okay. example, right? So if a student used ChatGPT and just put that prompt in there, write me an essay on that, and then just copy and paste it, that's kind of cheating, right? That oh, is yeah. cheating, not just kind of, that is cheating. Right, you're telling something, just do the work for me, right. and here it is, presenting it as your own. Exactly, so a student demonstrate no learning, um, right? So next scenario, the student used that, but edited it, and kept using their own voice and add you know, key points or take away something. Now we're entering to a gray area. Is that still cheating or is that kind of the student had put in effort? So we don't know at this point. But another scenario where the students asked uh, uh, ChatGPT, explain globalization to me, right? And then give me 10 examples of, you know, the good points about globalization. And then now the student's learning. That is actually, I don't know whether that's, you know, uh, does the uh, depending on the instructor's assignments whether that's you know cheating or not it mm. really is another gray area another thing is another scenario is that what if i put in my paper and say critique it give me feedback how to improve it now you're using it as a personal tutor i can see the third and the fourth scenario teaching individualized teaching and feedback that is going to be the future of education I can see if you have heard of Khan Academy, which is a nonprofit online cap, you know, platform to teach students many subjects. They are actively using GPT-4 to design individualized tutoring. I can see that really happening uh, on a wider scale. And I think that will help a lot of students who learn differently. You know, we need different kinds of explanation on the same topic. So I'm really optimistic about that. It's interesting. I think about my college experience. I went to the University of Oregon and uh, my first couple years, you know, you're doing a lot of the general different subjects across a lot of different disciplines, you know, getting in your sort of core education before you move into those upper division courses. And, you know, I remember writing literature papers and not really knowing if I was doing it right. And, you know, sometimes depending on the class, you'd have those opportunities to put your paper in front of, you know, your teaching assistant as maybe a rough draft before you then 
turned back another one, but that was really the only feedback I got. You know, I wasn't going to ask my parents to read my papers or my classmates. And so I think about, you know, what you're saying in that sense of using it as a personal tutor is really, it's fascinating because you're also getting a view that is a computer that seemingly is not with a personality and not there to perhaps judge you in a certain specific way that, you know, another person may have bringing their own thoughts and ideas to it. So fascinating to think about that. You mentioned that right now chat GPT is being sort of addressed on that ad hoc scale of, you know, certain professors taking their own kind of look at it and how it can be applied to what they do. And I wondered just to ask you, Do you foresee this as something that the university could or should address broadly instead of right now, just kind of the, it's sort of an individual thing, it sounds like. That's a great question. In fact, that's something we're working on as a university to provide training and education for both faculty and students on AI to become, for them to become AI literate so that they can make their own decision on how to use it. Because I am a tenure faculty, I respect academic freedom, I value it, and I think that you know instructors should have that freedom in their classes on how to, they want to teach. But at the same time, we want to provide them the platform and the support to become AI literate so that they can they know more how to on how to use these technologies. And it's important for students as well because it will transform work. Work is going to be different, you know, it's already different for some industries. I, we already see employees asking for chat GPT skills on resumes. Um, so it's going to happen. We need to prepare them for it. So right now, um, in this summer, we'll be designing or getting together a group of people to design a program to educate, train faculty first. And then my college is going to offer a AI literacy course in the fall semester, in the second half of fall semester, purely as an experimental course to gauge interest, to see whether people want to take that class, student wants to take that class, and then based on their evaluation, we're probably going to you know scale it. Generative AI just seems to be once it came on the scene is just rapidly developing, like you said, changing in workflows, changing in so many things. And it sounds like you feel that education is key for you know professors and educators to know how to deal with this. But along the lines of maybe the more foreboding impacts or, or negative impacts since ChatGPT emerged, there's also been a slew of other generative AI programs launching One example I wanted to bring up that I know from my musician friends, a program called Kyber. So it's similar to ChatGPT in that you can give it a prompt, some instructions, and say a piece of audio or music, and it will generate an artful animated video for you. So this is not an ad by any means, but these programs that are coming online, in some cases, they're free or they're really cheap to use, at least for now. And this is a craft that I know people pay thousands of dollars to graphic designers to say, create animated music videos. So it's just one example, but do you have any concern now that AI and programs like ChatGPT might negatively impact the ecosystem of the economy? Yes, it would definitely impact the ecosystem of the economy. And 
there's a saying, very popular saying out there, well, we're not going to be replaced by AI, at least not yet, but we, people who don't use AI are going to be replaced by people who use AI. And that's kind of how I see it, is that these, let's say, graphic designers or musicians, they actually have a huge advantage over the rest of us. We don't have that domain expertise. And that's one of the things that's needed to use these generative AI is that if you need to have some kind of domain expertise to fully take advantage of their capabilities. I use program image generative programs like Midjourney or Dali. I know a little bit about photography. So if I put in all those technical photography um, requirements or prompts, it'll give me amazing you know, um, images. But if I just put in something generic, it will give me something generic. Same with music, same with other things that if you know how to prompt it, if you have that technical expertise, you can make it work for you. And I feel like that's why I keep wanting to raise the AI literacy for everyone so that they can, we can all take advantage of this. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, more about maybe those positive impacts and the ways that ChatGPT is making some people's lives easier at least for now. Okay, we're back with Dean Leo Lowe from the University of New Mexico College of Libraries and Learning Sciences. So we've talked about this, you know, maybe people have a bad or this is not going to be good perspective when it comes to outlooks about ChatGPT. On the other side, you're clearly very excited about how people can use it in a useful way and looking at this tech as a venue to maybe do some good things. I've had friends utilize it to create a more efficient work schedule, for instance, help draft emails, organize or research thoughts. I even had somebody draft a, a legally threatening letter to resolve an issue with a bank and it worked within like five minutes. What, if any, are the uses that you see for this tech, specifically in education, if you can expand a little bit more about that? I think there are different ways that we can take advantage of it. And we're all experimenting right now. I talked a little bit about students, you know, having personalized tutoring, and that's going to be huge. And even for the teacher side, for example, you can take away a lot of the routine tasks. If, you know, if you want to generate homework questions or exam questions, you can just ask ChatGPT to do that and give you hundreds of questions that you can choose from or, or revise. Maybe grading could be a little bit, you know, uh, easier now. If you put in the your requirements, you know, in the prompt, you can ask ChatGPT to you know grade it to your level and and give feedback that is more detailed than a person can do for let's say thirty students in the class. So I can see some of those happening. And homework assistance, like I said, it's almost like you have a personal tutor. You know, at home, you, I can ask it questions, explain it to me like, you know, I'm a 10-year-old. So start from the very basic level and, you know, you can learn very different things very quickly because it will give you answers and then you see something that I don't understand this word or this concept, explain it to me. That is so amazing compared to, you know, using the internet even, which is already quite amazing. And, you know, I can see language learning. If I'm learning Spanish, French, Chinese, I can use it to help me. That's amazing ability 
And lesson planning, a lot of the teachers spend so much time on these tasks, you know, it can save them a lot of energy, a lot of time. Yeah. So I felt it was only appropriate to ask ChatGPT to come up with a question for this interview as well. And so I asked it actually two questions. The first one I felt like we had actually already written out here, but the second question I felt like, oh, that's a good one. So here it is, quote, in what ways do you think ChatGPT or similar AI technologies can enhance the learning experience for students in academia? I think we already talked a little bit about that, but the second part of this question, are there any specific subjects or areas where you see the greatest potential for AI integration? Oh, that's a good question. Good oh, work, thanks. JGP. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, right now, I think um, the concern is about soon using it to write things, but that's what JGPT is good at, actually. So how can we take advantage of that capability? I have a feeling that there will be a reshuffle of talent in the future because the cost of, let's say, creativity has gone down. I can be very creative very easily. I may not need as much technical skills in the future. I can just, you know, know how enough to prompt ChatGPT or any kind of AI tools to say, create this image for me, create this videos for me. So I can see some of those talents being kind of, you know, okay, shifting. Do I need to be a great writer? Maybe not in the future, but I may need to be a great editor. So I can see some of that happening. So as we experiment with these kind of tools is that how can we ensure that our students can learn these skills for their future? Even just prompting um, uh, chat GPT, we call it prompt engineering now. And there's, there are new jobs called prompt engineers coming up now that you know pays very well, by the way. Right. So, <laughs> So knowing how to ask it or prompt it in the way that it will give you what you need is a skill. It requires some kind of critical thinking skills first. You need communication skills to be able to articulate what you actually want. And you need creativity to keep asking it or refining it to get to the things that you actually need. So these are some of the things where we're really paying attention to, to, to teach our students. I was going to say prompt engineering is so direly needed on some of the um, voice assistants that we have all had around our homes for the last several years. I was asking uh, Google last night to tell me what playoff games were happening tonight. And it said, I don't know. I searched the internet for you. And I thought it's ridiculous because I know <laughs> that Google has a partnership with the NBA. You just have to ask it in a different way. And so there it was. What NBA basketball games are happening tonight. And sure enough, you know, gave me the information I wanted. But to your point, prompt engineering is going to be a thing where there will be probably a lot of refinement. Yeah. And I think reading, read one of your articles about generative AI and one of the things that you said we've been discussing, quote, students need to be taught how to communicate with AI language models like ChatGPT. I think back to the pandemic in my own experience, I had a toddler who was first learning to speak and she would talk to our Alexa in the house and, you know, tell it happy Thanksgiving. And she thought it was hilarious that it would, you know, say it back to her. But my husband and I used to joke that we need to have manners with our AI, you know, because we're teaching our students basically a language. But I think it speaks to the idea that raising children and students now, AI, it seems, is and will continue to be very much a part of their lives. 
That's right. Um, I, I've talked to some of my colleagues and I told them how much I use it. And they, some of them asked me, have you given it a name yet? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. In a way, kind of like, you know, there are a lot of science fiction or movies or books saying, oh, you're going to have a personal AI. I feel like we're going to have that. That is going to be a, a companion for a lot of people in some ways, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know yet. But it's going that way in that we will have to rely on this very uh, personal high-tech assistant in many, many ways. And even like you talked about having, you know, using it with kids, I have talked to some of my parents' friends who would ask it to generate bedtime stories. So you have a very different bedtime stories mm. every night. And eventually it will read to the kid. You can probably interact with the kid in some way so that it, they almost become, you know, friends. That is so wild to think about. (laughs) We need, and that's one of the things about AI literacy is how is it going to impact society? We Mm -hmm. need to think about that as well. And use it in good ways. And, you know, there's people who are saying, oh gosh, before they take us over, we need to become experts in how to use them. I, I think a question that speaks a little bit more to this, the idea of how transformative this technology can be. I wanted to ask you in terms of education, how transformative is this? Does it make for smarter students or does it make for students that maybe are just reliant on technology? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it would take a long time for us to really see that. I think that we're in the period of the, the growing pain. Even when the internet first came out or any kind of big technology, even the, let's say the printing press, at that time, all the professors thought, oh my God, the students are going to become stupid. They don't have to memorize anything. Well, it didn't happen. In the, in, when the internet came out, we thought, oh, they can just look up everything. They don't need to know anything. Didn't really happen. So you just need a different skill set. I think it's the same for these kind of AI tools. Is that, like I said earlier, it will, they will require a different skill set to really become, uh, uh, to take advantage of the capabilities of these two, to make their performance better. And the key thing is the employers, the future employers will require or expect them to be able to use these things. So it is important for us to keep experimenting with it, keep letting them experiment with it to learn how to, to how to use it. In a way, you know, when uh, ChatGPT is open up to um, the public, it's a big experiment for a lot of people to give us feedback. So in a way, we're all doing that to hopefully make it better. I know a lot of people, especially the technical people, always try to find ways to break it, which is a fun way to play with it too. And also giving it feedback to say, it's easy to break, make it safer or make it you know more reliable. So I think we are in that period right now. Is There will be some pain somewhere, mm-hmm. but eventually I think we're moving in the right direction. And the general public may wonder where to draw the line in how much we should use these services. Are there any red flags or any metrics that you're looking at to see, okay, this could be dangerous? Yeah, the, I think the key thing is it's not that accurate. It gives you answers, but they're not always true. So the, we try to teach students to evaluate information, right? In, on, you know, on the internet, you try to find, look at the source of the materials, who wrote this, and, you know, is there an agenda there? So to evaluate the, the credibility of, you know, to validate it. With this, it's harder to do that, but they can, people can still verify it using other means, um, using the internet, for example. If you give you a answer, it was like, well, 
let's Google it and double check it to making to make sure that it's actually you know is somewhere is is true. One concern is that you know with disinformation, people using it in a negative way to spread information that's not true. We right. have elections coming up and all that, so that is going to be a um, huge issue. So that's why I want people to really think about or know a little bit more about you know. These kind of tools that they're not always accurate, but how do you verify it? It's funny because in the libraries we have students coming in to ask us to find them journal articles, you know, with the citations. Lately, they have been coming in with citations of articles that don't exist. Oh, because ChatGPT is just you know making things up. They're like, okay, well, this may be something. But it's wow. not true. It, they don't exist, and we have to tell students, well, don't trust that. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got to do your follow through, which Gabby and I are used to doing a lot of in, in the world of journalism too. Yeah, and I think that's a concern in local news that we've all discussed, right? The spreading of misinformation and how people consume their news could change with ChatGPT. Critical thinking for every individual is still key, it sounds like, is Definitely. part of your message. Yes. Yeah. A tool, it's not the answer necessarily, but it is a tool to maybe help you find what you're looking for. So when it comes to the future of AI, and I think these, these large language models trained on all of this text and data that we feed it, do you have any idea about who should be looking more into this or who should be ready for this? Um, as in, you know, this doesn't just impact educators, but parents, government agencies, who should be looking at this? Well, I think the government should definitely look into it. I think they are looking into it. And it always takes a little bit of time for policies and regulations to catch up. But I think they're on it, which is a good thing. I think Europe is a little bit ahead of us right now. But it's never fast enough because this thing is developing at such a breakneck speed right now. Mm -hmm. So we're all trying to catch up. Um, but in terms of, you know, who should look into it, I think everybody should really look into it. I think it affects everybody. Uh, if you have a computer, you're using it, you will be using it at some point. But I can see certain sectors, you know, being affected by it more than others at this point. Let's say education is one for sure. Healthcare, I think, is another one. Law, I think that's, you know, what GPT is good at is to analyze large amounts of text. So I think it save them a lot of times. Yeah. And in a lot of the creative fields and even journalism, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah publishers, I think, are, are going to be a big one uh, to be affected by this because, yeah, I mean, I, I think we already even see it. The, the amount of news that gets consumed on the Internet um, and the amount of news that gets reposted from, say, our website to another website. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are just putting together sites, seemingly thinking that they're repositories of information. And they're just trying to do the same thing that everybody else is doing, right? Trying to get eyes on their article. They're trying to sell ads. They're trying to make revenue um, based on your attention. So I think it's going to be a, a lot for publishers in the future, for sure. Is there anything else that we didn't ask you that you feel like is important to share about AI or chat GPT? Yeah, spe uh, specifically for education, uh, we care about equity and access, right? Even the internet is, there is a digital divide where, you know, some people have more access to it. Some people who live in, let's say, rural area, they don't have access to the internet or they are not able to afford it. It's the same thing for AI, I feel like. At this point, ChatGPT is free, but there's a plus version that requires, what, $20 a month. Some people cannot afford that. 
does it mean that they does performance suffer because they cannot afford it in the same class with students who can use it? So instructors or teachers need to pay attention to that, and you know, or maybe the school should provide that for students if we expect them to use it. Well, Dean Leo Lo, thank you so much for joining us here. Um, I think it's been a illuminating conversation, and obviously, uh, it will keep going. There's a lot more to be said about ChatGPT as it learns from what we're doing with it right now, and I'm sure new versions are ahead soon. So, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Dean Leo Lowe for talking to us. He's from UNM. So much to learn from this generative AI. And also it sounds like it's also learning from the feedback we give it as users as well. You should try it out if you haven't. I, I'd say log on, Google chat GPT, you'll find it, figure it out. It's definitely not going away. No, absolutely not. We are also not going away. You can always contact us. I'm at chris.mckee at krqe.com and also at chrismckeetv on social media. And I'm at gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.